0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the seven figure flipping podcast. This is Bill Allen. On today's show, I have my good friend Lindsay Arco talking about sales. I absolutely love Lindsay. She's incredible. And we just got done having one of the best conversations about very tactical advice that you guys can use in your company to double, triple, quadruple, or even 10x your sales. Like, there, what she talked about is the current process that everyone is using is getting monotonous. It is getting, a, um, it's getting overused most likely. And she's got something new that she shares. She was willing to share something new that she's using that's giving her massive results. And she shared it from start to finish. And then at the end, I have a surprise. I really kind of like wanna know if you guys wanted to speak at Flip packing Live about this because she left a couple things out after the show. We just got done and she's like, oh my gosh, I should have talked about this. And just that, the thing that she wants to talk about, she called it the financial parking lot and how to deliver the offer is worth, the ticket to Flip Hacking Live. So go to Live.com, grab your ticket, and right at the end, if you guys push it and you want her to speak there, share the podcast, tag her in it, tag me in it, tell everyone about this show. And if we get enough interest, she'll be talking about it right there in San Diego October 12th, 13th, and 14th. It's an event you don't want to miss. Go to live.com And here's Lindsay Arco with an amazing sales presentation. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet, but we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are seven figure flipping. And this podcast is our playbook. All right, today we are talking about sales. I am really excited because um, one of the things that people struggle with the most is getting properties under contract at the deepest discount possible. Um, honestly, while still serving the customer, right, while still serving the person that they're that they're talking with, and not feeling like they're taking advantage of people. So there's a lot of really sleazy sales tactics out there, and uh, very like specific strategies on how to uh, win objections, and just I don't know, maybe not be the most ethical and upstanding person when you're talking with a seller. Um, I really love the people in our community, how we can really support and serve the people that, that we're called to serve, the audience, the, we got the sellers, we have the buyers as wholesalers, that we have um, uh, the end buyer, if we're flipping houses, the community, fixing up the house, those kind of things. And we are trying to make everything better. We get We make money from it, we do really well because of it. And so if you're trying to get into real estate and you want to do it ethically and with high integrity, then I really love our community for that. I really feel like we spend a lot of time talking about morals and ethics and things like that to make sure that it's uh, the right way to do things. So today we're gonna talk about sales. We're gonna talk about strategies for you to use in your company to get the best deal that you possibly can and not necessarily take advantage of the seller. So uh, there's recently we had an event in Myrtle Beach and Lindsay is my guest on the show today. She came and gave a presentation to our Seven Figure Altitude members. And I heard nothing but insane, incredible feedback from it. So I wanted to get her on the show to talk about sales. So um, Lindsay Arco is on the show with me today. I'm really excited to have her because I can't believe she's never been on the podcast before. This is another person that I just I just assume that I've done three or four shows with people, probably because we've done like coaching calls or trainings or, or one-on-ones together and things like that. We're on Zoom all the time. So I just assume that we hit record and put it on the podcast. So Lindsay, I'm sorry that you've never been on the show before, but I'm excited to talk to you today. Welcome. Thank you, Bill. So, uh, okay. You tell me where we need to start to go into sales. I think, you know, maybe you want to go to a place of what you were doing before and what you're doing now. And honestly, like in our community, I didn't necessarily see you as like the sales guru. So like Jeremiah has always been teaching sales. Adam has been teaching sales, Adam, uh, Ray, like we've had people come in and be these like salespeople from the past. And I had no idea that this was like your specialty. This is something that you've been spending a lot of time on. So maybe we can go there. Like how did, is this been always something that you've been doing?
1: Sure. Actually uh, pretty early in, in my career, I was heavily into sales. And then as our businesses grew and changed, I took on many different roles. And so um, spring of this year, I was able to really just become more focused on our sales process. I had used some of the same sales processes that um, many people in our community had used. The trainings, we have such a plethora and catalog of different training videos and scripting. And it had worked really well for a long time. And what I found when I got to March of this year is that I just wasn't able to connect with sellers in the same way that I had previously. Um, The process that I was following, it was just not landing correctly. I was almost having sellers get on the phone with me and say hello and tell me the condition of their property. They'd read off the square footage, tell me what needed repair, and then they wanted a price. And it was really difficult to navigate through the conversation when it was so price focused. And so in order to change that, I started um, looking at some different processes and some different strategies. And I I found one that was really interesting. Um, It's called NEPQ, which stands for Neuro Emotional Persuasion Questioning. Um, The the founder, his name is Jeremy Miner. Uh, I started following him um, online. And I, uh, another seven figure alumni was beginning coaching um, based on that process. And so I started jumping on those coaching sessions and digging into the scripting. But, but what was most important to me was not so much the script, but but what went into it, what was the basis for that? And um, really what it is, is it's finding a way to have sellers convince themselves and find a solution for what they need without you being the person to tell them what they need. And that was really a huge change for us because historically we tell the seller what they need to do to move from point A to point B. But if the seller doesn't believe that, then they're not going to do it. And so I really had to change my positioning. The other thing that I was contending with is that sometimes with the the prospects that we would get, they were getting you know, 20, 30 phone calls from people just like us. And they were tired and they were frustrated and they weren't hearing what they needed. And so after, you know, they talked to one or two people, they would just start turning off their phones. And so it was really difficult to engage with these sellers. And so that was really frustrating. And the same talk tracks that I've used for years just didn't work anymore.
0: Why do you think that is? Is it just because everybody's saying the same thing to them over and over and over again?
1: I think that's part of it. Um, you know, there's really one model that that many of us have used for years, and so for all saying the same thing the same way, uh, it makes sense to me that that people would start just regurgitating information that they've heard on their their last couple calls. So um, we just had to figure out a how to get to the people the fastest. So really looking at our our KPIs and saying, we need to get in touch with these sellers within a minute or less from the time that we get to lead. And then once we do, how do we then funnel that conversation in a way that lowers resistance to the sales process that isn't price focused and allows us to uncover the problem? Because that's really our biggest challenge in sales right now is that there's a problem and we don't know what it is, and we need to get the opportunity to be able to talk to the seller and figure out what that problem is so that we can help them solve their problem.
0: Okay, so how do you do that?
1: I do that by <laughs> by first engaging them without actually asking them specific questions about their home. So. Um, When we reach out to contact the seller, I introduce myself and I I start by lowering sales resistance by saying something like, hey, Bill, hey, this is just Lindsay calling from Blackjack Real Estate. I was giving you a call because uh, I saw that you had requested some information online about possibly moving away from 123 Main Street and then pausing and then giving them the opportunity to acknowledge that that's really who they are. And then further re, re, you know, lowering the sales resistance by saying something just really, really very simple, like, you know, Bill, I I only have a couple minutes before my next appointment, but um, I was just curious, what did you see online that made you want to reach out to us? And this is really important for two reasons. One, that I actually sound very curious, because if I don't, that lands wrong, and we'll, we'll really get the person to start, re- to start resisting you. But the second thing is I want to know the real reason why they reached out to us. A lot of times we'll, what we'll, we will hear from them is, well, I just want to, you know, I don't want to list with a realtor. I want a, a cash offer. I don't want showings that that's pretty much what everybody says, but that's not the problem. Most of the time, most of the time it's something bigger than that. And so I, I would say something like, you know, I, I know, and you know, a lot of people reach out to us for that, but like, I mean, I'm just really curious. What did you see specifically though, that, that made you want to talk to me? And when I say that they'll give me something like, well, that you can close in as little as three days or that, you know, they'll, they'll give you more specific information that helps me understand where they are. And because I've started to dig in and try and gather that information, I then need to continue to lower sales resistance. And so to do that, I instead of saying, you know, what do you want for your house? How have you tried to sell it? And, and coming off as just being very intense. Um, Instead, I just, you know, say something like, you know, Bill, this call is actually really pretty basic. It's just for me to learn a little bit more about you and, you know, your home and what you may have going on with it, just to see if there's even a way that we can help. And so by doing that, I've completely relaxed the person, um, they don't feel like I'm going to come at them necessarily with a lowball offer, um, and I'm not going to rush them through the process. And so by doing that, it allows them to just kind of take a deep breath and open up, and then I can just start to uncover some basic situation questions, which is more about like, what is actually going on now? what was it that made them want to move away from the house at this time? It's kind of like, if you think about it, when you go to the doctor and your stomach hurts, you don't say my stomach hurts and then the doctor give you a prescription and then you walk away, right? Uh, That would be negligent and we don't even know what problem we're solving. And so it's the same thing with this. I can't go into that conversation and just give somebody an offer because I don't understand what the problem is yet. And so I have to actually diagnose the situation to be able to provide them with options that may help
0: them. I don't know about anybody else listening, but just like listening to you talk, I feel really relaxed. Like I'm ready for a nap, actually. So like um is some is it is some of it tonality and pace and things like that too? You mentioned intensity a couple of times. So mm-hmm. how does so there that's one question. And then a follow-up question to that is how does someone as intense as me and maybe some of the people that are listening to this a show who I've been told that I am insanely intense many times for people that work with me. Um, how do we do something like this?
1: Well, you practice. Um, so I, I have a coach and he has told me that I am very intense. Sometimes it's like I'm a detective and I'm, you know, going in for an inquisition and and really, you know, you have to just like sit back, put your shoulders back, take take a deep breath. And the most important part though is you have to detach yourself from the outcome. For me, it can no longer be about that I want to put this this home or this seller under contract. Um, Because if that's my goal, then I'm not going to treat them with the respect that they deserve. I'm not going to be able to listen to what they're saying because I'm trying to figure out how to get them down my funnel so I can move to contract. And, um, I'm not going to be very focused. And so instead of focusing on the outcome that you want, you have to focus on the conversation and, and just relax. Like you're talking to a friend that you would give advice to, you're, you're not going to come over top and just start drilling them with questions and, and start giving them solutions. Instead, what you're going to do is you're going to listen and make sure you understand the situation you're gonna ask questions to help them understand their situation. Because a lot of times they don't really understand what they're going through and what the repercussions are gonna be if they don't make a change to their situation. Um, but besides that, tonality is very, very important. With any PQ, you're asking some pretty tough direct questions. And you are going to challenge them with the consequences of either inaction or or making a bad decision. And so to do that, if you have this very intense, you know, voice and tone, you're gonna you're gonna throw up sales resistance, but you're also gonna scare them away. They're gonna want off the phone with you.
0: Okay, so the beginning is kind of like diagnosing or or getting enough information. It's like uh, capturing some information, right? Trying to understand their story a little bit from the sounds of it.
1: Yep. So the the very first part is just connecting and then you you dive into situations. So what is actually happening right now with this particular seller or their home or or their life circumstances? And then the next part after that is problem awareness. Um, This is the part where you may find out that they don't really understand hundred percent what their problem is. It could be emotional. It could be financial it could it could be a combination of those things. And the most powerful part of, of this line of, of questioning is that you're not going to just accept surface level answers. So when somebody says that, oh, just, you know, my, my mom or my dad or my wife's spouse, whoever, passed away, we can say something very simple like, you know, I'm sorry and move on to the next question, right? But what does that really mean? We have to be able to dig into that. And so that's really just continuing to find out um, how long it's been going on, how it's affected them, how it's prevented them from moving on with their life. There's so many little questions that you can ask that you really have a deep understanding of what's going on. And you can't leave that phase until you have that understanding. So So after you uncover problem awareness, then you're gonna start looking at solution awareness. What options have they tried? What have they done so far to try and move away from this house or to change their situation? And how has that worked? And why haven't they moved forward with that? And really getting an understanding in their mind what they need to do in order to to move on to that next phase. These these phases of the conversation, so the first part's just pretty simple, right? It's it's a couple of minutes. You heard me just take you through that, that short part. The next phase is probably last about, you know, 10 to 15 minutes a piece. Um, and then you head into consequence. So what happens if they don't take an action? What happens if you don't ever sell the house and... You know the interest rates continue to go up, and you're you're not able to sell it. What happens if you're not able to sell your house and move to Ohio to take care of your family? Really putting them in, in the driver's seat and of understanding like the reality of their situation and the consequences of of inaction.
0: Okay, connection, then problem awareness, solution awareness, then consequence. How long is that consequence phase?
1: Again, it it takes me about you know, ten minutes just to to get through it. Sometimes, you know, there's some sellers who will just just offer you a, a ton of information. Um, and, and others you have to work a little bit harder to get it. So at this all.
0: point, we're somewhere between like 30 and 45 minutes into a conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And you you mentioned the beginning, your initial call is like, hey, I just have a couple of minutes that I want to find out some information from you. Are you continuing to go down this path on that first call or are you getting back to them after or are you trying to decide?
1: It depends. So um, the way that we're structured is we, we do have um, lead specialists who sometimes handle that frontline call. Other times as acquisitions, we will handle that call directly. If, if I take the, the call right from the beginning, I will put them through the entire um, process. Um, otherwise, I might have a scheduled appointment where right after we've identified that the person has a home and they do, in fact, want to sell it, then we're setting the appointment. We, we don't overly screen our, our so, leads.
0: So right now it's the lead, the lead intake folks, you call them lead specialists. So lead intake, lead specialist, inside sales rep, you might have like all kinds of different names for it in your company. If you're listening, um, that first, that first point of first touch point, they're usually calling to get some basic information, like the connection point, maybe the problem awareness. Are they train? Are you training them on all this stuff? Are they just getting that to make sure that it's a lead and then it gets passed on to you and and then and then it goes from there. Like, what's the process like inside the company to do this?
1: So the goal is for them just to validate they have a house and they do want to sell it. Um, we'll we'll try and uncover our, our lead intake team. We'll try to uncover some preliminary motivation and get some very basic details of the home. You know that it that it's a home. What you know, if it's a manufactured home, if it's a single family residence rooms, square footage, and that's really about it. And then schedule the appointment. Um, Because that just allows us to really focus on getting through um, problem awareness. One of the challenges is when you have your, your intake team go too far in that line of questioning, that's where the majority of your rapport is built during that problem awareness and solution awareness. And so it's really hard to come in as acquisitions or a closer and build rapport when somebody else has already taken them through that, that diagnosis process. So um, I, I've seen it done both ways. We've tested it in, in a, a couple different ways, like taking the, the lead through problem awareness and then handing it off at solution awareness. The problem that we found with that is, is that I, it feels a little dry when you pick up with the seller as acquisitions and you you haven't taken the time to build the rapport that you need. So you end up having to take them back through that and it becomes repetitive.
0: Yep. So it's a pretty basic call in the beginning. Find out if they have a house, they're interested in selling. Forget, are they trying to get price or anything? Are they just like, oh, like what's what's the handoff like? It's like, oh, I'd love to set you up with a phone call. What, what does that sound like? Is there a talk track that you use to do right.
1: handoff? Yeah, so um, after they say that the call is, is really just pretty basic, that talk track, and that we're going to find a little bit more information just to see if there's a, a way that we even can help, um, then after that, the, the person usually says, okay, you ask a couple small details about the home and say, you know, it sounds like based on what you're telling me, we we may be able to help. Um, I have one of our acquisitions managers person's name available we schedule the appointment as quickly as we can from that appointment or that intake call time because speed to lead is the most important and um, we book the appointment right then and there so um, ideally we want no more than a half hour in between that intake call and the appointment time now keep in mind that our appointments uh, 90 percent of the time are virtual or over the phone um, I would handle this a little bit differently if I was in person and I can expand on that in a second. But um, the one thing that's really important to know, though, is if you have somebody who is super high distress and they're indicating that to you on that initial call with your lead specialist, then the ideally you would do a live transfer to acquisitions because you don't want anybody else to get in there and start having a conversation before you do.
0: Mm, I love that. So they would just like, Hey, I'm going to get her on the phone right now. And just like three way call, like add a call and just dial you in. And come
1: Yes. In. Yes. Actually, to give you an example, I just had one on Friday that um, the person was was talking with Dawn from our team. And she was just like, I'm I'm done. I can't take care of the house. I can't cut the grass. I'm hot. I'm overheated. I'm old. I'm scared to live by myself. I mean, she, she said all of these things without even being asked. And Don was going to set her up for an appointment in a half hour. And she said, oh, well, the other lady I talked to said she would call me in two hours. And so, you know, Don just said, okay, she texted me. She's like, I, I got to transfer this one to you. And um and she was right to do it because um, that was a, a one call close for us. If I had let if we had let our foot off the gas and somebody else had, had been able to talk to her, we likely would have lost the opportunity.
0: I think that that's a, that's a great tip. And something that I, honestly, I don't think I've ever heard before in a lot of sales floors, they'll have um, like a direct transfer or you'll, the manager will be able to listen in on the calls and jump in. Like if you've ever been in like flying airplanes when I'm on air traffic control, I can tell when I have a new controller and some, cause somebody's coming over their voice sometimes and like, no, don't turn left to three, one, zero, turn right. You know, and so um it's stuff like that where like real sales teams in the real world, not our like I, I feel like we're like these baby marketing and sales companies sometimes that and don't think like a a bigger company. This is a great tip that I don't think that I've heard shared before of doing like a live transfer. It's so so easy. Just shoot a text over to you, like, yeah, I'm here, transfer it, like nine one one, nine one one, we got a hot lead. Um the so first time really- it
1: happens, it's unnerving, right? Cuz you I didn't have any details. I had an address and I had those those little bits of information that you just told me. So, you know, in the in the meantime, I'm talking to her, I'm trying to look at comps. I'm also trying to follow my process and um but really it's what I did was focus on those things that I told you, right? Like sit back, relax. Just just have a conversation, find out what this this sweet woman needs, and then come up with a solution so she can move on from all these things she just told me she just can't handle. And when I when you do that, you will be effective. And people will feel it when they speak to you if you're genuine or not. Yeah.
0: No, I, I agree with that a hundred percent. Like I can tell when somebody really cares or somebody just wants my money. Yes. And and honestly, like it the the thing about like the tra- the transfer of money like when you get into a contractual relationship like somebody's going to give money somebody's going to give something it's it's a trade it's a trade of value and it's honestly like we don't ever really like support each other until we do business together like that i feel like and so i mean we we in seven figure flipping we have people that come on for coaching i'm on i've been on a ton of sales calls for info product like coaching and masterminds and i can tell 100% that this person needs support. Like they need the next step for their business. They want all this stuff. They've been trying it all the, like I'm going through all this, the connection. I understand that all their problems, I'm trying to build a bridge from where they are to where, where they want to go. And then the solution awareness. So I always, in my head, I always go through some things. Most people, some people are not even problem aware. Some people are not solution aware. And most people are not me aware. So like, those are the things that I've, when you're saying those, I was waiting for you to go to that. Like, there's probably a point where you put the you awareness like what do you do how can you help those kind of things because you got consequence so i'm always like if somebody's not problem aware they don't even know that they have a problem then like i can't help them because they don't know they have a problem if they're not solution aware they don't know what the solution so all of my marketing goes to this is your problem this is the solution and then here's who i am And so if they're not me aware, then they're out there looking at every other, if they're solution aware, but not me aware, that's my problem in marketing, right? If they're problem aware, but not solution aware, that's the the marketplace that I can help bring the marketplace to the table. And if they're not problem aware, then they're just walking around, not even knowing that their life is really crappy and they could be having a much better life, making a lot more money and a lot less time um, doing the things that they really want to do. So They have to become problem aware a lot of times. And that's probably where you come in because they usually are problem aware and they're reaching out to you for solution
1: and you awareness, I would think. Or they they think they need one thing, right? They think they need $150,000 for their house. They think that is the answer to their problem. And that's not usually the answer to their problem. The answer to their problem is moving away from the house. How are they gonna get their stuff out? Where are they heading to? Why are they heading there? How are they gonna get there? What happens to, you know, X, Y, Z when they they don't take care of those things to be able to get there? And so really just understanding what the, what the real problem is, is the most important part. But getting to that, you're never gonna to get to that if you stay surface level if you accept answers like i don't know if you don't dig in and if you don't show compassion if you don't build trust and rapport and and the way that we do that is by by putting them through that process and asking those questions a lot of times i i i know cuz i've done it myself when somebody calls in and they say well you know i i'm looking for somebody to buy my house i've already talked to so and so and so and so and so and so and then the first thing we do is we talk about how great of a company we are, right? All the sellers that we've helped, all the, the, the people that have moved on and we've got great reviews and we have this and we have that. What All that is, that's about me. They don't care about me. This isn't about me. This is about them. And so if I start off the conversation focusing on how amazing we are, then I miss this opportunity to figure out what I can do to help this person.
0: Yeah, I agree with that Totally like there's, it's very much um, nobody cares about anybody else, but them. Uh, Like if you're on a sales call, like on that call, it's all about them, their life, their problems, how you can help them, those kind of things. So um, I've been in that, that situation many times where
1: there's a time um, when it's important to talk about those things. Like we work really hard to get amazing reviews and the, and the time that I'm going to bring that up. Is when I ask them, "What's in, if if everybody else gives you the the same offer, how will you choose who you're going to work with?" Well, I would look at reviews. I would like then now I can bring up my reviews. Now I can say, "Well, mm-hmm. have you had an opportunity to look at us? Have you have you done your research? How, what have you looked at so far?" And great, now I can send them our, our reviews. So there's a, there it, there's a time and a place, and it is super important. It's just the way that we do it.
0: Yeah, I want to go into a little bit more of this like tough questioning because you mentioned um the I don't know. So like, oh, what do you like how are you going to move out your all of your stuff? I don't know. And um the way I I'm just I'm going to guess here if from some of the conversations that I've had in sales is Like there's two ways to go about that. There's like the aggressive way and there's the sit back, relax, and change your tone way. So like where I think most people go in that moment and maybe, uh, so I'm just interested to hear where you go is, well, like how long are you going to wait and not know before you try to figure out how to do it is Mm -hmm. where I think most salespeople are going to like push them there of like, what is it going to cost you to wait? How much longer are you willing to say, how many more times on this call are you going to say, I don't know? Or at what point do you come up with a plan? Or like, what is your plan? Like, what's the timeline that you have to figure it out? Or how are you going to figure it out? Like, where do you go with something like that? Because I can see a really pushy salesperson just going, well, how much longer are you going to say, I don't know to all of these problems before you start working on figuring it out? Which is, I feel like is really aggressive.
1: It's super aggressive and usually off-putting. So if if someone says something like, well, I mean, I, gosh, I don't even know. And I'd say, well, I mean, if you had to think about it, though, what, what would you do? And and you have to stop talking. That's the problem in sales, right? Is that we talk too much and we don't listen enough. And so you have to be willing to just sit through that terribly awkward silence and they will come up with something. It might, it might be a terrible idea, you know? Well, I mean, I could... I could call my brother's sister's uncle and see if they'll bring a trailer and like, okay, so so you might have some some help. okay. Well, well, what you know what what else? Again, silence, right? They have to start thinking for you to help them. So you have to force them to think. And then once they have a plan, so they have their cousin sister's brother's uncle to, you know, come over with a trailer. Okay, great. And where are you going to head to? Okay. And and why there? Okay. See, so yeah, like I'm very calm and I, I'm really letting you think through what's going to happen next. And then what I what I need to say is and ask questions about is how much better will it be when you don't have to sit in this house anymore and you don't have a leaking roof And your stuff is safe and clean in your new place. And you just don't have to deal with this anymore. And now what I've just done is I've given them a vision of what their life is going to be like after they they get rid of this problem. And that's when clarity sets in for them. And, And then I say, well, let me ask you this. What do you think at this point is more important to you? Is it getting this taken care of so that you can move away from this? And, and just be able to have some peace of mind, or is it just, you know, doing these calls, talking to multiple people and just trying to, to hope that you're going to get a better price. What do you think is more important to you at this point? And again, putting it back on them to tell me if they tell me that price is the, the most important then I may look at some other options for them, right? Maybe, maybe cash isn't, isn't the option for the seller but if they if they tell me instead that peace of mind and speed is most important, then I can help them get get there with our cash offer. So for me, it's just trying to determine out like from them what is the most important thing? What is the goal?
0: so how how has this kind of changed the results of what you're seeing um based on like some of the numbers and even some of the uh, field that you have inside? of making offers and having these conversations with sellers. Like what were you seeing before and what are you seeing now? And, and like, what would you recommend to those that are out there? um, you know, obviously wanting to close more deals.
1: I would say, um, before you make any change to your process, number one, know your numbers. You need to know where you are today before you start making changes so you can gauge your progress, right? That's number one, number two, and this is super important. Do not change your entire process. A to B. You, what you would need to do is when you're looking at a new process, is is implement it in pieces. I thought that I could implement the process start to finish all at one time. My coach told me not to do that, but I thought I could, and my my closing dropped. I, I went on like a three week dry spell, and that was damaging <laughs> to my ego. So. Um, it, it, it does come around, but, but really when you make a complete change to your process, you need to give yourself a runway and you need to be able to be able to go back over it and look at results. The next p- piece of that is, and super important. You need to record your calls and you need to listen to what you're saying, because you will be amazed at how much you miss by not listening. You think you're listening, but you're not, you're trying to get through your script. And so that will really help you dial in your process a lot better. You need to know what phase of this script am I in? What questions should I be asking so that I can lead the call in the direction that I need it to go? So um, a couple things happened when we implemented this process. We did some split testing. We split our team in half. We had one lead intake and one acquisitions manager follow the existing process and one lead intake and one acquisitions manager follow the new process. Um, We were able to get a lot further with sellers Sellers who are resistant, don't have a lot of time, are irritated, the script works very well with, it's, it's more direct. But also we implement um, some really simple things like, you know, I just have a couple minutes before my next appointment. I don't know how many times you, you've you heard when somebody gets on the phone, it's like, yeah, I got a couple minutes. You're like, they're so annoyed. They don't want to talk to you, right? Yeah, I, I only have a couple minutes too. I'm going to have to run for an appointment just so I can speed this up. And then I go into what I'm trying to say, but it helps me level up my status so that that I'm not then shrinking the entire time through the call. So um, when you when you do these things, you have to implement them piece by piece by piece and gauge your progress. When we we first started doing it, my conversations were going so much further. The amount of uh, aggressive or maybe angry sellers diminished because I was able to level up my status, and I was able to ask questions I had never been able to ask before. Um, when I when I started it, I I didn't have much of a pipeline, so I was I was basing it on results that I was getting from when I took my my first appointment using the process through to the under the time period we did it for a, a month, and. Um, What we found is that the contract values were a little higher, the conversions were a little higher and the amount of leads in the pipeline grew. But we also were in a scenario in which we had two performing teams. So there wasn't necessarily a situation where we had a completely broken team and we needed to scrap everything and start a new process. What we wanted to see is could we just have a competitive edge? Could we just be a little bit better? So I'm not going to tell you that the minute you implement this, your sales are going to go through the roof and you can you can throw out every bit of sales training that you, you've ever had. That's not what this is. What this is is a way to be better than your competition, uh, to be stronger, to build better rapport, and to, to get better results.
0: That's awesome. Um, I love that frame control of like, somebody's like, I only have a few minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I only have a few minutes too. It's like, it's like, I actually have less time than you, so I can increase my status above your status. Um, I I feel like the first time I heard that was in pitch, pitch anything or in cloth's book, um, of like frame busting, which it's, it's wild. Um, okay. What, what questions should I have asked you that I didn't ask you that those people that are listening to this are going to want more information
1: about? Um, you should ask me how long it took me to, to make this, this change, um, and feel confident about it. Um, because that is the hardest part about making a change to process is not quitting and, and seeing it through to be able to first know if it's really working, but, but anytime you make a change, your results are going to slip. And so, um, it, it gets challenging, and you kind of want to revert back to where you were before. So, if you're going to make a change to your sales process, the the way that that I did, I would say you have to give yourself three months to really feel good about it. And that has been it. for you so far. We're on month four. Okay. We're on month four, and um, it it took a while for me to hit my stride, but it's not just about you know, memorizing a script, that's not what this is. And if you do that, you won't be successful. What what you have to do is you have to live it. Um, I can't tell you how many times I walked around my house holding my cell phone, recording myself. My children have been forced into being sellers. I role play with my team. Um, Adam and I role play while well, he was driving in a car the other day. I just, you know, give me any situation, surprise me. Don't tell me what the ARV is, you know, any of those things so that you can be versatile and that you can be comfortable, right? You can practice all those really challenging situations. Find a find a buddy. We have the, the luxury of accountability groups, right? So we get a lot of that interaction. But somebody from your industry, have a conversation with them, practice with them, um, and then listen to your calls. But that whole process, it takes some time. Mm.
0: Yeah, you can find a buddy or you can join Seven Figure Flipping. So That
1: would be the best idea, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, what else did I uh, not ask you that, that they need to know? Anything else?
1: Oh, I know. How would you um, really make this work if you're in person for appointments?
0: Oh, yeah, I had that written down. Uh, what's the in-person difference? Yeah.
1: So the in-person difference is that you may want to have someone who's, if they're taking your inbound calls for you, so a, a lead specialist, You you may want to train them to go a little bit further into problem awareness so that you are really minimizing how much you're going out to appointments that may or may not be valid, right? Over the phone, we can screen people out pretty quickly if if they're not a qualified lead over the phone. But if you're you
0: you mean the acquisitions people, like so the handoff is made, the lead might not be like a really as good of a lead, the acquisitions person can screen that person out. You're not talking about the initial call.
1: Correct. Yes. Okay,
0: acquisitions.
1: I to clarify. Yeah. Sure. So acquisitions can screen that person out rather quickly and has the skill to do so. So what I would recommend doing if you are doing this in person, that your acquisitions person have a pre-call, which should be happening anyway, but this is even more important with these type of leads in this process to have that initial conversation, maybe dig a little bit into problem awareness, really find out what's there and make sure it's qualified before you go out to the home. So that
0: yeah, would be- the, the only caveat I want to put on this from experience has been, I had salespeople for a long time, basically like pre-qualified leads over the phone and they were canceling a lot of appointments that when you, when anytime I went in person, a lot of times the story changes, the property changes, the, the motivation goes up. Um, there's like these phone warriors that become really, really soft when you get into the property and start meeting them and and, and you might be the only person that does because they're really tough on the phone. So um, when I started telling my team, we started like, the, the time that this happened was we weren't referring any of our like retail leads out. So if they're too close to retail on the asking price and stuff, they were they were shutting down the appointment. And um, when, I, when I instituted a, a whole new plan of like, you're just going to go on as a bunch of appointments, we started getting way more contracts. And we went look back. We saw all these people that were really tight over the phone and their numbers. I mean, we were buying houses, 50, $100,000 less than what they were saying on the phone by going right. in person. So um, just be careful. I, I don't want you to take what Lindsay said on the show to be like, oh, I'll pre-qualify a lot more of my in-person appointments if you're doing in-person appointments. I would say, especially when you're getting started and and to the point where even when you're like moderately successful, go on as many appointments as you can. I, I told my team, like when I hire somebody new, I don't care. Just send them out on appointments. Like I don't even care if they get shot down. It, it's, it might hurt their ego in a, a little bit, but they need reps. Like they need to practice this. And even if you go there and it's somebody saying that I'm going to burn my house down to sell it for you for that, that they need to hear that. Um, and that experience is huge. Um, for for my team at least when I'm when I'm running the company, so think about that when you guys are listening to this.
1: Absolutely, and another way to look at that too is that um, if you if you have somebody that on, over the phone, it doesn't appear that maybe that price point is going to work. Right, we're not we're not really having conversations specific to price. If you notice in everything I said, really I, I never talked about price, and I'm really not going to in, until I'm I'm close to making an offer. So um, those conversations really don't come up for me very often. But even in a scenario in which somebody is going to be pretty far off, let's say they throw out some information. And so in your your mind, you think, oh, this isn't going to necessarily be a fit. And as acquisitions, you need to use that opportunity to practice your negotiation skills. If I can't close this, how much of a discount can I get off of the price that they're asking. So if they're asking $100,000 for the house, can I get 50,000 off? Can I get more? I don't know. But that's just an opportunity for you to practice so that when you are in, let's say, a really good appointment that's highly competitive, your negotiation skills are really sharp.
0: Mm, I love that. Um, All right, I got a question for you. How do we use this method for people who don't think they need to come to Flip Hacking Live, but they really do? (laughs) (laughs)
1: oh um well uh these are people who are maybe inquired about these are
0: people that are listening to the podcast right now that are like you know what i don't need to fly to san diego for three days i'll just keep listening to the podcast and doing what i've been doing instead of really following my dreams and my goals and my plans and where i really want to be when all i need to do is buy a ticket get on a flight come to san diego and spend three days with bill and his team you know, like, how do we use this NEPQ method to say, hey guys, like, here's your problem, right? The solution is Flip Hacking Live. And uh, he- let's go into the consequences of you not attending. It's just going to be another year where you're stuck in the same place. You're not where you are. So how do we how do we get them to convince themselves to come to Flip Hacking Live? And go to fliphackinglive.com and buy a ticket right now.
1: I think a lot of times the thing that we hear when are things that we hear when people are interested in in coming to flip hacking live or or even just you know the seven figure flipping as a whole is that they want to achieve financial freedom right they they want to free themselves of their w2 they they want to grow their business and so um one question that i that i would ask is like what have what have you done so far to make that happen to be able to achieve financial freedom what have you done so far and um or why, why haven't they moved ahead with another opportunity? Or why haven't they left their job yet? Um, just to help them understand what it is that's really holding them back. It, it's kind of the same as a seller, right? It could be emotional. It could be financial. Really understanding what that is. And then what uncovering the motivation. Like, how bad do they really want it? How bad do they want to make a change in their life? and what's more important to them right is it to keep going trying the same things that they're doing without seeing consistent growth and improvement without being able to leave that w2 or would it would it be more important to make a small investment in their future that will you know push them towards their goal in a very short period of time what's more important at this point
0: all right I think that's pretty convincing. So all you have to do now is go to fliphackinglive.com and grab a ticket for you, a friend, you and your spouse, uh, your whole family, um, whoever. I, I would love to see you guys. October 12th, 13th, and 14th in San Diego, California. There's not a better place that we could have it than San Diego in October. It's incredible. Um, and there's tactics that we teach just like this. I mean, this is a massively valuable podcast all we did was try to train you guys how to talk to sellers and and things like that the other thing is um what i'd like to do is if you guys want to hear Lindsay at flip hacking live talk about sales and and deliver this process in a presentation like in detail then what you should do is you should share this episode you should tag her and you should vote and say hey we want Lindsay to speak at flip hacking live about this this year so how's that sound Lindsay? is that uh Interesting, scary, exciting. What, what do you, Is that something you want to do? Of
1: course, I'd be happy to.
0: Oh, okay. So now you guys got to vote. So make sure that you <laughs> share this episode. I thought it was really, really great. Like um, this is incredible. I think there's a huge opportunity for people out there. I, I have a ton of notes for my team because we do the same thing. I mean, we sell our seven figure altitude program, the runway program, flip hacking live tickets. These are the conversations that we have every single day. I mean, you guys have a different motivation. You want to grow a business. You want to make more money. You want to leave your job. You want to find financial freedom. You want to become free. You want to choose what you do, when you do it, and who you do it with, all those kind of things. And you want to do it through real estate. And there's not a better vehicle than real estate, in my opinion, period, for building wealth, building freedom, all that stuff, and being in control of your own destiny. So I'd encourage you now, we're you know a couple months out, footpackinglive.com, go there and... um. I think it'll be awesome to have Lindsay share this stuff. So share it on your Facebook page, Instagram page, LinkedIn. I think that I have one of those. Um, I Maybe Twitter's still around or X or whatever it is now. Uh, so um, wherever you kind of hang out, um, would love to see you tag Lindsay, tell her how awesome this was and say thank you to her. Um, Lindsay, how can people find out more about you or if they wanna, is there something that you guys need right now? Uh, maybe you need lenders, you need more leads. Um, like where should they go? How should they talk to you? What does that look like?
1: Of course. So um, I'm on Facebook. That's probably the most convenient way to reach me. Just my name Lindsay Arco. And um on Instagram, it's just my first letter L A R K O 102. Um, and you can reach out to me through Messenger there.
0: Cool. Make sure you tag her in both places, share this. just take a screenshot and share it and be like, we want to see Lindsay on stage at, at FHL. So um I'm excited about this year. We're kind of planning out the the path and and what we're doing and what we're talking about right now. So, um after this conversation, I think we uh we need to have a conversation about that. So, um thanks for coming on today. I really enjoyed it. This was like content packed um podcast. I really loved it and I just thank you for taking the time to spend with me and everyone. So, thank you. All right, everybody. We'll see you on the next show. Bye.